On this episode of the Comic Book Kaiju, I have the esteemed pleasure of Mr. Uncanny Omar from Near Mint Condition, the home of collected editions. I want to say, if you guys are into graphic novels, especially like absolute omnibuses, like the big chunky boys, the channel that you want to be checking out is Near Mint Condition. They have a positive, honest community, and there's a ton of great stuff over there with the uh, the minties. They will always be in Near Mint Condition. Omar, thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, man, dude, thank you for uh, for inviting me on and for promoting my channel a lot better than I do. I, I kind of forget <laughs> so many of the things. My wife has to remind me what, what we are, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah, I should probably say that. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, thank you. Yeah, I was I was really happy to find your channel on YouTube, um, just kind of scrolling through the feeds and and looking for stuff. And yours popped out specifically just the, you know, the aesthetic of it, the look and design and everything. And um, I'm just very pleased to uh, come across because collected editions are something specifically that they're a different beast rather than, you know, collecting single issues and even with digital collections and stuff like that but having those on your bookshelf like there's nothing finer than seeing a nice collected edition on a shelf so um i actually wanted to ask you before i ask you about near mint condition and, and about the collected editions what is your comic book origin story kind of how did you get into comics what hooked you and what kind of made you a fan for life oh um so i think like most comic book collectors or readers my age I'm, I'm 44 i'll be 45 here in a couple of months but most of us have an origin story that starts at childhood and then we kind of broke up with comics and yes. high school and maybe yep. college then we brought uh we came back uh it, so for me I, I was uh at the age of seven in peru i had or no six i had appendicitis so i was um taken to a children's clinic and they kept me there for about five, six days to keep an eye on me because my it had burst, and so I was Ooh. I was there. My uncle's sent a care package of like um, comic books, and nice. I lived in Peru, and we spoke and only read in Spanish. So it was really cool to get these American comics. Um, my favorite one that I would keep looking over and over was Uncanny X Men one sixty eight. Oh, nice! And so that's to me that will always be my first comic book. Nice, because that's, that's like from. From the ashes, the beginning of that storyline. You know, it's Kitty Pride and Lockheed's first appearance, also first appearance of Madeline Pryor. So it means a lot to me. Uh, and then when we moved to America in '87, I started uh, collecting them, seeing them at the grocery. Back then, I mean, it's different now, but back then, pharmacies, Walmart, Kroger, wherever you shop, had comics everywhere. It was so yeah, cool because it was I like miss those. And they were at eye level with the kids. People were smart. They were at, they were down here. You know, magazines were up here. Comics were down there. I'd ask my mom and dad to get some because I remember getting them in Peru, and that's all she wrote. And I started with, I I stayed with X Men forever. I mean, X Men like I started. Uh, we didn't have a comic book store either in my hometown where I live because it's a small town. So I had to travel. Oh my gosh, I remember finding the first comic book store. I think, um, I think it was like an hour from here. And before that, I would go to this place called Doctor Comics, which was in the flea market. And if you, Ooh. yeah, flea markets were open market where anything goes and that was a pretty cool place that guy dr comics had like 10 cent comics and he had quarter comics oh nice i don't think he had a phd I don't think <laughs> I 
he had a lot of he had a lot of good deals so nice i was i I started getting a lot of back issues starting building my runs as we called them Mm. Uh, by the time i got into high school yeah making my own money and finishing up my runs i I mean i had i had x-men i had x-men all the way up to like when was that three i want to say like three 25 330 like a, a complete run and then this thing happened called onslaught Ooh. Uh, onslaught marvel universe and i think by that point i always blame onslaught like as the <laughs> storyline that made me leave comics but it was probably me not outgrowing the genre but kind of finding other things like i needed money for dates or like cars or yes. like my car needed gas and leaving comics behind and i left them behind for a while and it wasn't until 2002 that I came back. So that was like 1996. So I was broken up with comics you know, for about six years or so. And in 2002, I was going through some personal things. I ended up getting divorced from the lady I was married to. And it was almost like coming back home. A friend of Ooh. mine was like, hey, dude, you got to check out X-Men. I'm like, I ain't checking out X-Men, dude. X-Men. <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. I'm up with X-Men. I don't need X-Men. <laughs> And he was like, oh, man, but Grant Morrison's writing X-Men. I remember Grant Morrison writing Animal Man. He knew I loved Grant Morrison. The raw oh, nice. Animal Man. Nice. So I was like, oh, well, that might be interesting. Right, well, so he lent me some comics. What was it? E for Extinction. And I was like, okay. Well, then I started going to the comic book store. And in the comic book store, so this is 2002. This is when they started marketing these trade paperbacks more and more. And back in back in our day when we were younger they, we we had trades right we had some graphic novels but it wasn't everything it was like dark phoenix saga from the ashes watchmen batman year one dark knight yeah. returns that's it it wasn't like oh you're looking for excalibur issue number 45 well that's collected right. in this omnibus right. you can go get that yes. no like kid i would say kids these days but people yeah. these days that are collecting <laughs> collected editions had no idea what it was like and that i mean that's only 21 years ago yeah and then i started noticing a trend in 2003 like bookstores were changing the way that they were marketing comics because they saw a big manga boom so instead of trades or collected editions the term changed to graphic novels and back you know when we were younger graphic novels were original comics yes. that were released in a hardcover right or a trade paperback format kind of like in the european style right and then astonishing hitman or astonishing <laughs> astonishing x-men dropped and that's that's when i was like well i guess that's it for me i'm staying nice. this, is, this is this is it because like astonishing x-men was like a throwback to the to those glory days of claremont's run hmm. and i was like oh this is so good every yeah. issue i loved it and i've been with that i've been back with comics since 2002 oh, 2003 nice and being in, i've been getting collected editions to 2002 so for you, let's see, I'm trying to run the timeline in my mind. The 90s X-Men animated show, did that have any impact on you? And then the 2000 Brian Singer X-Men movies, did those did those formats have any kind of hold on you? Or was it just comics the whole way? Well, for me, it was comics, right? So comics were my thing. But the cool thing about the animated show, I was in high school and that was coming out. And some friends of mine were like, dude, you watching X-Men? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. They're like, oh, man, it's, it's fun. And I'm like, you ought to read the comic. Ooh. So, like, you know, like, that was a good segue for me yes. to, like, introduce some friends. So I got my mm. buddy Matt in it. I got my buddy Andrew. My dad was already getting stuff. Like, my buddy Chris. Like, it was really cool to, like, buy comics. And they were like, oh, it's Wolverine or it's Gambit. 
Uh, the movies were kind of the same way. When the X-Men movie dropped, it, you know, I was like, man, that dude's too tall to be Wolverine. <laughs> I'm yeah. not Wolverine. But, you know, Hugh Jackman <laughs> killed it, and I thought it was a good movie. I genuinely thought it was a good movie. I thought, you know, there's a lot of cool moments in X-Men that I thought, oh, they, you know, Singer actually gets it. He gets what X-Men's about. Uh, and again, like this time around, though, it wasn't just dude friends. There were like lady friends Ooh. that were like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. I'd like to check that out. And by that point, we, we had a little more graphic novels, not what we have now. We had a little more back in 2000, 2001. So I, I went to a comic shop, even though I wasn't getting anything for me. I was asking them like, hey, do you have this storyline collected? Like uh, God loves man kills, which is like my favorite X-Men oh, story. Yes. They were like, yeah, they have like a little, little trade paperback of that now instead of the graphic novel that it originally came in. Uh, so, yeah, th in that way, they did impact like getting the word out there, spreading the word out there of comics to my friends and family. And you can ask any of them to this day. I still, for Christmas or birthdays, like that's what they get. They may nice. not ever read them or crack them open. <laughs> but that's, that's perfect. I get them. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, actually, wanted to go back real quick to your original uh, comics that you got when you were uh, kind of laid yeah. out in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So did you, so were those were in English, English and you said you were just speaking Spanish at that point? Yeah. So it's a good thing. It's a, it's a visual media, right? Yes. I just looking at pictures. Yeah. I, I will say this. Um, when I came to America, I also did not speak English. And part of me learning English was that summer of 1987 going home and reading like comic books. Yes. Because it was, it's yes. difficult for a kid that age. You know, we didn't have phones and be like, hey, man, translate this. Right, right. We didn't have the internet. <laughs> we, we, it was just like. You're thrown in the middle of all these kids that speak English. And we were, th I was thrown into a Catholic school oh. because we were from a third world country. You know, mm -hmm. it's just took us in. And I got into a lot of fights, man, because there were a lot of rich kids there. And I, you know, I was, <laughs> I, they make it, I could tell they were making fun of me. I was, oh. <laughs> I like Wolverine. He's my favorite <laughs> character for a reason. Um, but it was, um, it was that magical moment of summer that I remember thinking, I'm going to read these things, I'm going to understand them. And in a weird way, comics really helped me learn the language and how to read. And that's nice. why to this day, like um, I, all the little, the little digest size books that Marvel sends us, those are all donated to schools. Like, oh, nice. Or, or nice. people that have like some, whenever we get, have giveaways on our channel, like I, if, I always ask people that have kids and I send them because I think it's a really good way. And they started a program at my daughter's school, like English as a second language, because there's a big, big, like, um, just a lot of kids that speak Spanish that don't oh. speak any English. And I know what that's like. So I started volunteering there and I would take them, yeah, a little, uh, the little digest size books, like the Marvel verse books, yeah. or like the reprints of like Gwenpool, not Gwenpool, I'm sorry, Spider Gwen and oh, yeah, Alice yeah. and stuff. So it's really cool because, you know, they can follow the pictures. And eventually learn some words because you're it's it's a memory game, right? Like yes, reading yeah. all about memorization and stuff. Right. So that, I, I, although I never did learn to read uh, manga, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have. But actually, apply that. To yeah, manga. it's funny you say that because um, it kind of sparked something in my um, my comic timeline. I guess I was so I'm a I'm a quarter Japanese. My dad was in the Air Force. And we lived in Japan for a little bit and. Oh, nice. 
there were Dragon Ball Z mangas, and this was before they went over to the States, before they got big, before they got translated. So everything was in Japanese. But I loved the art so much. I want to say I was like seven or eight at the time. And I loved the art. Like you could not, like, I don't know. It was just like catnip. Like when I, that artwork hit me, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I gotta, like, what is this? So I would read the the mangas, but they were all in Japanese. So I had to make up my own storyline of what was going on. And then <laughs> when they translated it later, I was in college when they finally translated it and it was on TV and it was airing. And I was like, this is nothing like the story that I made up. <laughs> it's completely different. But my story was better. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I did, I did the exact same thing with X Men, with Spider Man, uh, with uh, some Batman. Yeah, the exact same thing. Like I knew his name was Bruce Wayne. I assume, like, yeah. But it, you're right. That's exactly what I did. I would just kind of make up my own story because I didn't read the language. That's cool though. I love that. I was I was importing those manga from Japan. I didn't read Dragon Ball Z in Japanese either, but I love Akira Toriyama's art. Yes, so we didn't yes. have that. I mean, and that's also the big difference back then. We also hmm. had the single issues that right. Viz was bringing over because we were stuck on that floppies kind of mm -hmm. mentality. Yeah, we were afraid to bring over you know the the tankabons, the smaller size yeah. books of manga, and they were definitely afraid to make it the right to left format oh right yeah that didn't start until tokyo pop even though tokyo pop ended up going under my goodness they helped the big manga explosion in the early aughts oh yeah yeah and that's that's a, a very interesting um topic maybe i'll discuss it when we have the uncanny ken on the next episode but <laughs> uh you mentioned graphic novels i actually wanted to uh, get your take on that real quick just the name graphic novel because like you said when we were growing up those were original stories they didn't come out in floppies it was like okay graphic novel is a collected story all at once now they kind of changed it to where the graphic novel means just a collection for the most part they have original graphic novels also but i have felt kind of like kind of hot and cold on that term graphic novel mm -hmm. because i don't like trying to not dumbed down, but trying to make it more appealing because comic book is for kids or um, I'm trying to think of another, like cartoon is for kids versus animation or like the word graphic novel. Do you, I guess, does that bother you at all? Or do you just like, oh, graphic novel, that's, that's just the term for it. Uh, no, I mean, obviously I grew up with, trade paperback or collected edition or uh what else did we used to call it something else a collection maybe but i was okay with the change because mainly it brought a, a lot of people in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot of people that never had picked up you know had picked up any comic book a single issue and had no idea mm -hmm. that sometimes these graphic novels were made up of these single issues or floppies yeah. like watchmen i can't think of like how many of my how many of my friends that did not read comics thought oh this this came out every month even though there were delays uh this came out like er, er, every month really and it came out in like a little tiny issue and <laughs> yeah 
because none of them ever read it that way. They've only only read it as that trade paperback or graphic novel, and that's it. So I was okay with that. It it, it is definitely a weird change to the older generation for mm-hmm. sure, because that's who comments on my videos the most. And I'm like, why do you keep calling it graphic novel? And I'm like, man, don't yell at me. Don't <laughs> yell at the bookstores and the publishers. Yeah. They're the ones that made the change. Right. I'm just trying to make sure I. You go to a yeah. bookstore and you ask where their collected editions are. They're going to be like, what's that? Right, Wait, right. Comic books? <laughs> yeah. And if you ask I, graphic novels are, there's big signs that say that. Uh-huh. And I worked at a Barnes & Noble for a little bit. And I had this one experience with a lady and she was like, I want recommendations. And I, I'm in my mind, I'm like, I'm the comic book guy. Yeah, like, I'm right, going to recommend right. Why the Last Man, all these other things. Good and um, I, I said, have you ever read a graphic novel? She's like, <gasps> graphic novel i've never heard this term <laughs> what is this and i took her over to the graphic novel section and she goes oh these are comic books and like my heart sunk i was like oh and she wouldn't even give it a chance she was like all right i'm going back over to the novels like the adult section mm-hmm. so she was just one person that you know you weren't going to get through to but that's kind of my in my mind like i have these horror stories of graphic novel is this marketing term that they 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 want a sugarcoat comic book like they want to make people say oh this is more adult versus no just call it a comic just call it a comic book they're they're adult you know things everyone can read these it's not just for kids it, it but, is a sad and weird like thing to think about when well, you said it like i think a lot of people immediately think oh comic books are for kids to, to this day, even within the community, people that only read superhero comics or like crime comics, they look at something like Don Rosa or Carl Barks duck comics and they're like, no, that's for children. It's it's that mentality. And it's weird because I, I always think that it might be a American mentality. Yeah, I think because, it you is. Know, well, you've lived in Japan and I yes. knew when my wife and I went there, it was everywhere. Business. Yes. Dudes with business suits were reading manga. Yes. Uh, ladies that were out shopping were reading manga. That, oh my gosh, what what I would give to see that, like, here. Yeah, closest, I wish. Uh, and, 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 and reading in general, right, dude? Like, closest right. thing I've ever seen to that ever uh, was when the last Harry Potter book was released. Oh, yeah. Was I was in Chicago, Illinois for work, and everybody on the bus I'm sorry, not everybody, but I would say about <laughs> half the people on the bus, and that's a good number, were reading a book. Like, that's just yeah. nice to see, you know. I don't yeah. know how they would be now, maybe on their phones or tablet. I don't know. But it was just <laughs> – that, that was the only thing that I've seen close to what I saw and I experienced when going overseas to Japan. Like, where it's just – people don't look – you know, people don't look down on people that are reading manga. Yeah. I, I think we do have that mentality here that, oh, it's comic books for kids, even though – the number one, what the top five movies of all time are all based on comic books. Yeah. And I, I'm sure you get the same joy that I do now where it's like, these are the things that these are the properties and franchises I loved as a kid. And more people are getting exposed to them today because of these other formats. These other mediums of movies and TV shows, getting all the Disney plus stuff and, and hopefully we can get DC back on track, but getting all the the superhero stuff and and I'm I'm both I'm I'm into superheroes and non-superhero stuff but mm-hmm. I just have this joy right now of and and I every year I hear people oh the superhero craze is over people are getting right. tired of superheroes I hear it every year 
but I'm just like more and more, give me more. Cause there's so many avenues that have not been explored with superheroes. Like we've only scratched the surface of what this, you know, this format and this genre holds for everyone. Um, just a medium of comic books in general is so vast. They've only tapped, scratched the surface on these TV shows and movies. Um, but actually you said something that was very interesting about the Japanese culture. That is a hundred percent correct. Where, You'll see men in business suits, women. Um, there's no like gender bias over there. There's no age bias for mm -hmm. comic books, which are manga in Japan, but mm -hmm. also video games the same way. Oh, yeah. I would be on the train and you'd see senior citizens with Game Boys. And it's like it's oh, video games are not just for kids. Same way with manga. They'll be reading manga on the train. I wonder if it's also kind of the public transit. I wonder if that has a lot to do with it, where they just have a lot of fr more free time as they're commuting. And I wonder Maybe how that, it is that's... now that we have phones, right? I haven't been there since 2008. We're actually planning on going this year. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm so curious about that. Like how – yeah, because my wife and I, we went there on our honeymoon. and Oh, nice, we, nice. We made a promise that we take our kids one day. And <sighs> we figured they're 13 and – she'll be 14 when we go. Uh, 14 and 11, I think it's a good time for them to go. Yes, and yes. See another uh, – they've been to Spain and Italy and France, and now it's time – to go see yeah japan another culture so i think it's uh it's beautiful man like you got i wish i had that option when i was a kid right oh yeah uh, yeah 100 percent. but um i wonder how that is going to be now compared to when i was there in 2008 right are people going to be on their phones because it seems like that's what people do right you get lost on your phone and you don't want to talk to nobody you don't know yeah people. you're gonna get lost or are they still getting you know those the, the the manga and video games i remember the psp was huge when i was there and yeah the DS, right the ds yeah i'd be interested too you got to come back and report on that because i want to know um that's definitely something interesting because also another thing was the way that um personal computing developed over there the phones were much more um popular than the desktops so and even i think even laptops so the phone was like the main computing device in japan so that's mm -hmm. another thing. Yeah, I'd be interested because I I also have not been back in a few years. I want I'd like to see more of the current state over in Japan. I haven't seen anything online, um, but I also wanted to get into how did you get specifically with your channel into collections? How did you kind of how did you make or what made you want to uh, make that your niche of um, I'm going to cover these type of books, these type of collections. And make put the focus and the spotlight on that. I wanted to make something that wasn't already there. I wanted to make something that I could have benefited from twenty hmm. years ago. Ooh. Yes, like that, and that, that's the thing, right? Necessity is the mother of invention, and all that. <laughs> I remember yeah. thinking, okay, it, and it's weird, man, because it's it's kind of experimental, right? It's like, okay, I'm gonna try this. Uh, see if people like it because mm. I started the channel with a group of friends and uh, it was like a panel show, which is what we used to have a podcast and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but then I wanted to experiment on some things like because they couldn't always meet. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of bored. I'm going to take my camera and uh, talk about these books that I like because uh, I know there there is a following. I had no idea how much of a following uh, there was. And I remember doing like an overview of a book, talking about it and. I didn't know how long I should go. I didn't know what exactly <laughs> to talk about. 
And then it just kind of became a thing where people were like, kept asking me questions. And some of the best performing videos I ever did were the ones where people were like, hey, man, can you do like a, what was it? Uh, the Battle Angel Alita, like hardcover that just came out. And I was like, yeah, I was a big fan of it. And there's a huge difference between this release and the original Viz release. And I can talk about that, sure. And I did. And that became like a huge video. Um, hmm. So I started, inter- and I, I and to this day, I still try to interact with my <laughs> audience. It just makes it really time, man. I just wish we had more time in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I started doing reading orders because I remember reading orders. What what's what confused me when I was getting into this? Because yes. with, with comic books, even comic books get a little bit confusing, right? Like, oh, hundred uh, percent. Because of the relaunches and the reboots yep. and, and yep. starting over with a brand new number one. Yep. Let's bring it back a little bit. Oh, this is now a. Uh, n- <laughs> we're going to relaunch this. This is issue thirty, but next month is going to be an is- another issue number one. So even with comics, it got a little bit confusing, but in my head, I started like putting my trade paperbacks and hardcovers in chronological order. And even, okay, the comics are bad enough, but they're not even that bad. You can, you can figure it out sometimes, but the trades were a nightmare. The trades and hardcovers were a nightmare because there was no volume one. Uh, It was just uh, the name. (laughs) They would give you a title, like Justice League, Tower of Terror. Right. Or Tower of Babel. Yeah. And you're like, okay. There's nowhere <laughs> in the back that it said what it collected. So in my head, I started building like a, it's so weird, like a chronological order of what issues are collected where in, in what hardcover and trade paperback. And because I like reading things in chronological order from the beginning, I have to keep them that way and that mm-hmm. way. So then I started making videos on that and those became really big. And then the big thing that happened was 2020, man. Like, we, I got, dude, I got 20 years in IT and I lost my job. I lost my, my job. And that was in June. And I had the channel. I had the channel since 2016, 2015. Uh, but, you know, uh, by that point, I had already started talking to Marvel. Uh, they were letting me announce things. We built a really good relationship. And, it was insane, man. And I feel like this was this is what happened to a lot of people. Like, oh, we, yeah. we couldn't find anything. Right. Like, I, I was 20 years into my career. And once you get to a certain level, it's almost near impossible to find something like that. That there's somebody willing to pay you unless you're willing to move, unless you're willing to take contract work. I have a family, and I'm like, I got to have more, you know, security than just contract. Can't be flying out somewhere and not have a job the next so it was it was bad. Uh, by October, it was like okay, I need to think about you know <laughs> working at Walmart part time. And there's nothing wrong with it. because no matter what you know you're as a, as a parent, you you got to do whatever it takes to put food on the table, yes. to keep yes. the lights on. So that's when we Marvel approached me about like doing some um, sponsoring on my channel oh. for like a, uh, four episodes a month. So we oh my gosh, that was amazing because. It was a, it was amazing in, in, in a big uh, roller coaster of working with lawyers and rewriting a contract because the contract they sent was like a contract that would give like a, um, you know, like somebody that's multi-million dollar company that's making commercials for Disney. Oh, and right. I was like, I can't, I, I can't afford like a million dollar insurance policy. <laughs> like I, <laughs> the makes videos out of his basement. Right. <laughs> like. So uh, it was going back and forth and rewriting. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, not at the time, but it was amazing to get to rewrite that. And it worked out. And then um, 
I was looking at the numbers. People, I mean, my subscribers went up a lot because of the pandemic. People were home. People were nostalgic about things. Uh, people were just finding about collected editions. So my subscribers went up a lot. Uh, so I started up. We decided to tweak our Patreon, and I told my wife we were looking at the numbers and everything, and I was like, you know, if I put everything into this, I think I could do this full time. Nice. and make as much as you know a level two position that i was at before you know not necessarily where I, where we were nowhere near but level two i'll take that over level one positions and if i'm going to go back to level one start at the beginning of my career then i might as well take a shot in doing something i love and it was it was not an easy decision dude it was it wasn't like I quit my job. I'm working at YouTube now, man. No, dude, no, no, no. It was, I lost my job in June. Mm. Oh my God. What am I going to do? Come October. There's nothing. I'm mm. about to go take a level one position. I'm looking at number. I'm like, I think to come January of 2021, I put a video out that was like, you know, changes to the channel, opening up Patreon slots. And it's been a blessing. It wasn't, you know, it was like sometimes I always feel like sometimes the universe puts you in a position that you were supposed to be in a long time ago. Mm. And that's how it felt. Like they grabbed me out of this and it sucked and it was scary. And for anybody that has lost their job, you know how bad it is, especially when you have kids and, and you know, oh, yeah. you're looking like for the future and you're like, what do you do? And then, and then you ask yourself, am I making the right decision? Like not going back to my career. I mean, I'm that's, almost career suicide. You're not going to go back. I mean, that is 20 years of work that you've put in and you're not doing any of that anymore to go and make YouTube videos. You're 40, <laughs> was 43 at the time, 43 year old man. What are you thinking, man? That's a young man's game, but I took a chance and I, I it was a buddy of mine, my buddy, uh, Frank, he was like, dude, like, I think I, I, th he said, uh, something that will forever stick with me. He said, look, Take a chance, man, because what, what's the worst that can happen, right? Worst that can happen is it doesn't work out. And then you go back to being a poor schmuck like the rest of us and working for someone else. But you had that one good year where hmm. you did it and you worked, uh, you know, you tried your best, but you had that moment. And now you're just going back to where you used to be. And he's like, that's a wonderful message to send your kids. You know, if you apply yourself and you try real hard. You know, some, sometimes things like that happens. So I, I took that. I mean, that one, that one, I took the heart. So, yeah, come January, that, uh, that was in. So this is my, this is 2021, 2022. Uh, so this is yeah, this is going on to my year three of oh, doing wow. this. So, full time, nice. Yeah. yeah, that's that's actually something that I aspire to. That's kind of mm -hmm. my eventual goals. You know, I have a small channel right now, but. Um, actually through shorts is the way that I've gained just this last year alone. It was like went up remarkably from what I was at. So um, definitely I, I'm in that same kind of position as you where I, I want to take a shot. I want to take a chance of doing something that I'm passionate about and talking about it and kind of mm -hmm. my whole goal with my podcast and show on YouTube is just spreading comics the joy of reading comics with other people kind of like you were saying earlier, just like what this can do, you know, kind of show people what comics can do. That's kind of my goal um, overall. So 
Yeah, I'm very inspired by your journey overall and your channel. Like I said, as far as collections go, as far as collectibles, if you're into graphic novels, if you're into omnibuses, this is the place to be. Near Mint Condition is the channel that you want to be going to because every every time I see a new I see a notification pop up and it has your check mark in your logo i'm like yeah this is gonna be great this is gonna be a new uh a new great book is gonna he's gonna talk about and, and uh show me something that i hadn't seen before because like you said um i've seen you breaking news things that aren't out yet and and uh collections like that so at this point are you exclusive marvel or do you talk about um dc or image or any other of those oh yeah I, uh well, sorry uh, no like if 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 I say like this video is sponsored by Marvel, then yeah, that's that's the exclusivity. Like they give us the breaking news of upcoming projects and upcoming books that are coming out. Uh, but no, I do DC. Uh, I have connections with that Dark Horse and nice. uh, Fanographics and Humanoids, and, uh, and there are wonderful people that I've worked with. Uh, DC, uh, I I still you know I purchase their books and I do overviews of their books. Matter of fact, like tomorrow i think on my channel tomorrow thursday uh sorry i'm trying to think i film ahead of time and i'm trying to think of where we are but yeah no i don't discriminate i like i like all of it and, I, and, and even when manga tries to take my channel down i still <laughs> talk about manga baby <laughs> um is there any um do you have any all-time favorite collection like when you look at your shelf do you say all right that one is the one that has the most meaning to me or or even just as a collection, you know, just the way that it's put together, the way that the um, the the actual book itself is. Do you have a all time favorite number one? I, I every year I do list on my channel, and I, every and every few months, I'm sorry, it's like top ten favorite omnibus for people, uh, top ten favorite DC omnis let released last year, upcoming. I have never sat down and thought thought about like what are my top ten favorite collected editions. Uh, number one is always going to be Uncanny One, Uncanny X Men Omnibus Volume One. Like that one's signed by people that are no longer with us, and it's my very first Omnibus, oh. and it just has a really you know a special place in my heart mm. uh, because it's kind of the one that started this madness. Yeah. Uh, because I, I remember buying that, and I'm like, I'm only going to get X-Men. And then Spider-Man came out. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get X-Men and Spider-Man. That's it. That's it. That's where I draw the line. Then they reprinted Fantastic Four because I didn't want to get it at first. I'm like, our book's too big. I ain't, ain't nobody paying $100 for no book. Dude, <laughs> Fantastic Four release volume two. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm only getting X-Men and Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, but that's it. And then Avengers <laughs> dropped. And then I'm like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> that collecting uh bug kind of kind of got into you yeah that's yeah that that's fantastic bad, there's bad. you know it's been crazy like i haven't specifically sought out mm -hmm. x-men fans but the majority of the guests that i've had on my show so far have been x-men fans it's it's kind of fascinating to me a lot of them were the 90s x-men show that was what kind of got hooked them got them in and then they went into comics after that but it's it's it seems like it's just kind of the the like a, a thread that goes through these generations of and that's probably why X-Men have been so popular. I think it, they just hit a note in people and 
the the themes that they touch on and and mm-hmm. I like how that they've gone there's been an evolution of what do mutants stand for like what do mutants mean in as in a metaphor and I've always found that fascinating um from even when I was younger I've always been a Spider-Man guy that's been my number one like Spot the way life. that I <laughs> the way that I relate to to other characters mm-hmm. are okay how does that person it's like the six degrees of of separation it's like how does daredevil okay he's spider-man's friend that's how i know him okay kingpin like everyone is tied to spider-man at some point so to me that's how my brain works i was relating everybody to spider-man so it's interesting to see a lot of people like like you where x-men was like the first one and continues to be the one as we kind of see now in the current marvel everybody's clamoring for x-men like everybody wants the mutants everybody wants x-men to be in the current mcu so i'm also like chomping at the bit to see what's um what's going to come next do you is there something specifically for you that the x-men when you look back on it do you say oh yeah that's why i was drawn to the x-men or that's why i like the x-men or was it just kind of random because that was the book that you got you know, as you were in the hospital. Oh, so I, my uncle shipped out a couple of books, right? I, I remember Spider-Man. I can't even remember the issue number or Avengers, but the one that stuck out was X-Men. It's a Paul Smith cover. Uh, but I think a lot of people relate to X-Men because as, or at least maybe it's my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we felt like we were the loners. We were like, uh, we were the ones that read comics and nobody else was reading. So we felt special. <laughs> so we felt like the outsiders. I, I think a lot of people relate to that. Like whether mm. you come from another country and you can't speak the language, um, you know, I have a lot of gay friends that are huge X-Men fans because of the way that, you know, the stories touch them. Oh, these people aren't accepted in society. You know, so I see a lot of myself in that. And I think that's beautiful. I, I, um and I think that goes to minorities, whatever, oh, yeah. whatever it is, you know, yep. we, we see ourselves in these stories and that's what we gravitate towards and that's what we aspire to be. So for me, yeah, probably has a lot to do with that kid didn't know English, you know, felt like an outsider. Sure. X-Men makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I can, I can, I can see that. And like you said, with minorities, I remember, Growing up, I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like the the stand-in for segregation, for racial mm-hmm. violence and things like that. And just someone is different than you. Um, someone is a mutant, and you're judging them because they're different than you. And then later on, I think that's when I started to see more homosexuality and the the relation there. And, and now I think even um transgender and like x-men has evolved so much and and tied to so many different outcasts like you said so i got to give them credit and you know just even stanley and and jack kirby and all the original x-men guys and and chris claremont you know the people who who um, also pushed it forward just recognizing and creating those those characters uh yes so a lot of it has to do with you know uh Chris Claremont, right? I mean, to, to, to a lot of people, Chris Claremont is X-Men. But, you know, there's also Anna Sinti and Louise Simonson were the editors at the time. Uh, 
pushing for some of these things and 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 even approving some of these stories it, it's crazy to think about like my favorite story is god loves man kills right a, a group of humans that are super christian like a televangelist is hunting down mutants Chris Claremont got so many death threats because of that. Like back then, like a televangelist is going hmm. around and killing these people that are not accepted by society. That that it that that speaks volumes of like like where we are now compared to then, right? Like they were trying to push for things then. Now it's you know you kind of see that story just about everywhere. Uh, but back then it was almost near impossible to get that approved. I to this day I don't even know how some of that stuff in God Loves Man Kills, how the editors were like, yeah okay, I mean there were there were things in there that there is no way they can do now, and mm. that's to this day it's still my favorite story because it really touches on everything that I love about that group of characters. Nice. Well, I know what the the thumbnail is going to be for this episode. Uh, we're going to have that specific cover, but yeah, <laughs> I I think. That, like you said, everything you, you said is is 100% relatable. And I think the X-Men, just the idea of the X-Men has, has had such a lasting impact. And that's what I love about a lot of the characters from this, you know, that were created in the 60s and they're still relevant in 2023. Um, just mm -hmm. all the, the flexibility of the characters to morph into, you know, the current generation's and being able to take something from, I guess, being able to adapt, I should say, because even, you know, Peter Parker, the idea of Peter Parker in the 60s is not necessarily the Peter Parker now, but he still has those those roots in his original creation. And it's just timeless. I think a lot of these characters are something that we're going to. And actually, you mentioned Grant Morrison. I love what he said in his book, super gods, he was talking about how the idea of Superman is more powerful and more real than he is that Superman has been around before he was born. Superman will be around after he's gone. And I, I love that idea of these creations living on past us being passed down from generation to generation. And just the, like I said, the flexibility of, each one of these, the, the ideas um, of them and, and just blows my mind, super gods and thinking about that. But um, yeah, that's, I don't have a question. I just want to like, no, that no, was uh, you're, specifically you're, what I like. You, uh, you mentioning silver age. I mean, that that's what attracted people to Marvel comics as opposed to DC was the relatable mm. character, yes. the skinny guy that gets picked on. That was a superhero. That was his alter ego, right? I mean, before we had Billy Batson through Fawcett Comics and Captain Marvel, uh, but Superman's alter ego was Clark Kent. You still couldn't throw a punch at Clark Kent without breaking <laughs> your hand, right? <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was really cool that uh, when you mentioned that, one of my favorite things I have on my channel is a segment called uh, "We uh, Where My Family Reviews Things. So it's my oh. two daughters and my and my wife and I. And it's the first time reading. And we're going through a series of Silver Age books, and one of them is um, – my favorite thing that I didn't even notice, but my oldest daughter noticed this, and we were reviewing Mighty Marvel Masterworks Spider-Man Volume 1, and it's pretty much the first Amazing Fantasy 15 and like the first eight issues, nine issues of Spider-Man. 
and she was like she looked at the camera she's like now you have to understand this was written in the 60s so it was before integration so there's only white people in the in in the school and i was like i I never noticed. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. She was like teaching people a lesson. Yeah. Before you try to say what's going on, like it was 1961, oh, and I'm like, man, I didn't even think because you know I read that when I was her age, reading a reprint. I just didn't even think about those things. So it's Same. funny that like going back to the Silver Age and reading those with my daughters, how what they catch and what I didn't catch. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And I love that your family is involved. That's also something that when I met my wife, one of the first questions I asked her when we were, were dating was, would you ever consider reading a comic book? And then she was like, yeah. And I gave her fables. That was like the first comic that I gave her. Um, but my son is still a little too young, but he's wearing yeah. all the Marvel and DC Stuff. He's representing. I'm, He's representing. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. just hoping by osmosis that he will have a love for it. But um, it's interesting that and now I, sorry, my my train of thought completely okay. ran off because I was thinking about my son. Um, I I really like that currently a lot of the characters are they're they're what you would see today they're more representative of society today i mean you can even look at the um that black adam movie that just came out where you have all different um it's it's not all one race it's not just white from mm -hmm. start to finish like the whole lineup is is diverse and you're seeing that throughout all the different properties now mm -hmm. and it's it's so interesting the way that the writers are they have the the ability to actually create more modern stories and uh, more inclusive stories that everyone is involved from, whether it's like I said, different sexualities, different races, um, different religions. Like I, I really am happy where we're at right now in comics and mm -hmm. I hope it just continues to evolve and, and grow. And so my son who is uh, my, my wife is Latina. So, and I, my son, I always call him Miles Morales because I'm like, all right, you're going to be oh, yeah. <laughs> part uh, black. You're going to be part Latino. So that's that character means a lot to me. And so like when I watched Across the Spider-Verse and or into, into the Spider-Verse, sorry, Across yeah, yeah. the Spider-Verse coming up. But when I watch that and when I think about that character, like it means so much to me now even more because of my son. Mm -hmm. And it's like that's what I love about comics also is these characters can can feel real to us and have a place in our hearts that like we know them and like they're real mm -hmm. in that sense. So I, I love the idea of, of um, enjoying these, these properties so much that, that they feel real to us. So I, I'm just, I'm really happy that, that you have your family involved. And oh, uh, thanks, man. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's been a blessing. I'm going to share a story with you that yeah. I think you'll appreciate. Not at first, maybe, but you'll appreciate it. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I grew up in the eighties and I was reading comic books. Like most, some, some of my friends, um, in the eighties, we didn't have a lot of what we have now, which is diversity, right? Mm. There weren't a lot of characters that look like me. There weren't a lot of characters that look like you. There, you know, it was mainly white male characters. So I didn't like the living lightning. And I think he was the only Latino in the Avengers. And I'm like, <laughs> 
I like the Black Knight. You know what? Black Knight's my dude. Like, so characters to me growing up didn't have to look like me in order for me to like them. Like Wolverine's mm-hmm. my guy, mm-hmm. Nightwing, yeah. Yeah. Uncle Scrooge, oh. <laughs> Storm. Like I love, like I, I relate to those characters. Yeah. Um, Chris Claremont was way ahead of his time with, with the characters there in X-Men. And so when people on my channel, you know, like when, when we talk and uh, we do live streams, you know, people are like, I think it's wonderful representation matters. And then there's other people that are like, well, no, I mean, it doesn't really matter. You shouldn't, characters shouldn't have to look like you. So I come from that mentality, but I'm going to tell you something that changed my mind in the way that I thought. Like, I, I never thought like, okay, it doesn't matter to me. It should not matter to you. I'm never like right, that. If right. it matters to you, then that's beautiful. And right. you, you, you own that and, and, that, that, and that's wonderful. I was watching Into the Spider-Verse. I went to the movie theater to watch that, right? And there was a little kid there, little kid who was mixed. And dude, at the end of the movie, he looked at that screen. He goes, Daddy, he looks just like me. And I about cried. <laughs> I was like, who, who am I to crap on that little dude? You know, like, maybe I'm just jealous. Maybe back in my day, we didn't have, <laughs> we had, you know, <laughs> we didn't have anybody. Like, like we didn't have that. And now, and now kids do. And I think that's wonderful because a lot of people forget that some of these kids don't have people to look up to. And sometimes heroes is fictional characters are what we have to look up to and what we have to try to aspire to be. Yeah. So if they look like you, cool, man, that's wonderful. Yeah, man. Now it's every, like, I see so many Latinos and all these kids. Yeah. Back in my day, we did that. That's where you choose from. (laughs) Don't spot. And the Brazilians claimed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't speak Spanish. Yeah, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm not too far behind you. Um, and growing up, it was always like I, I, I think I'm very similar to you, where I didn't see that it was all just white, and mm-hmm. it was like, oh, these are just stories, and this right, is just what's happening, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I have that same kind of mentality where. It, to me, it doesn't matter, but I, I've gotten recently a lot of comments on my YouTube where people are just like, oh, well, the characters was was always white, so they should always stay white. And even to the point where it was like like Rogue and Kiki oh, Palmer, mm-hmm. um, she was, yeah, she was like, she wanted to um, the kind of fan casting and she took, she took it. And people were like, I, I, I wasn't even thinking about it in those terms, I was just like, Oh yeah, she's a good actress and let's see what she can do. If, if they were to cast her, it wasn't even official news, but people were like, no, she's terrible. She shouldn't be rogue. And I was like, what about the character of rogue is specifically saying she has to be a white female. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. from her background. Like, it's not like T'Challa and black Panther and like, okay, you have to be from Africa. Like th- there's a meaning to black Panther being African, but I, I will. I, I try to stay away from those discussions because I, that is a, a a rabbit hole of just right. Oof! I can. I can. I've seen. A, <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of discussions, and I have friends that get in the middle of them, and, and more power and more love and energy to those people. That <laughs> I don't have the energy. To yeah. Do that. Uh, yeah. I just. I I saw a lot of hate towards like uh, the Little Mermaid, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. That was that was a big one. And yeah. in my head, the only thing I can think about is where. Where the hell were all these people when uh, Michael Bay was making Transformers and none right. of the Transformers looked like the Transformers right. I grew up with? Right. We didn't throw a fit like that. Where were you all at? Yeah. 
Yeah. Y'all wait till now to talk about <laughs> what your childhood's being crapped on? Yeah. No. Nah. I, I wonder if it's like this is also fascinating to me. Like the people on online feeling like they're anonymous and like, oh, okay, I can say whatever. They oh, would have sure a lot of it has to do with that. Yeah, yeah they would have said that back in the 80s or 90s, but they just didn't have this forum and this platform now. So yeah, mm. that's that's a very good point about uh, Transformers. I, I wonder... <laughs> just, what, were, what were those people, man? Yeah. You gotta right. be angry about something, be angry about that. Yeah, and, yeah. And are you really the target audience for... Like, I didn't know the people that cared about the Little Mermaid that much until I... Yeah, my brothers were I'm, showing me some of the feed or some of the comments, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know the Little Mermaid had a fan following like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm the same way. I didn't. I had no clue or no identity or no um, understanding of that. But yeah, I like that. Um, that these type of things exist now, where it can be diverse and, and like you said, children can look up and see themselves on this big screen or in the comics or in the books, and that's just something that um, it representation matters a hundred percent. Where I've experienced it and. Like I can, I can say a hundred percent that when you see yourself in these, these forms or these formats, it definitely does matter because I think I never want to get, I never want children to get the impression that they're not good enough because they don't look like the person on the screen. Oh, my hair should be different texture. I, I should look differently because that's what I'm seeing all the time. 24 seven. It's like, you know, nonstop, this is the image and the, um, the, you know, what's just in front of me. So I'm glad that there's that aspect of it as well, where, oh, my culture is not bad. Um, if I bring my uh, culture's food to school and it smells different than everybody else's, I'm not the weirdo. I'm not the That's bad why I used person. to get in fights <laughs> when I went to Catholic school. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. Looking I, at my lunch a little different, man. <laughs> you whack in the back of the head. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I I will say something though. Like I think sometimes uh, when things like that are expressed, sometimes people are genuinely in love with a character. So like somebody, mm -hmm. I mean, if Rogue is their character and their Rogue's always been a white girl, then I can right. understand that, right? right? But but I think I there are some some people that just take it to the extreme, just like well, that yeah, can go yeah. either way though. Yeah, but right. I, I do think like sometimes a character means so much to you mm -hmm. that like. Namor's not one of my favorite characters. So when they changed him into a, uh, you know, a Latino dude, like, sure, whatever. Then I think about, okay, well, what happened if they did that to Wolverine? I'm like, well, then I might be like, well, man, that's it's a little different now. <laughs> like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all right. have our own special characters right. that we like, and we 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 want them to remain as true to the source material as much as possible. I mean, for the same way that. I don't know why they changed uh, what's her name and Ghost in the Shell, the live action movie. Oh yeah, Be, Scarlet, uh, yeah. Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson, right? Yeah. Like I thought, why didn't they just cast somebody <sighs> to be Captain? That's right. Crazy. Like that yeah. made no sense at all. So right. Well, it's, and and that's what I'm saying of like characters that are from a certain country. It doesn't make sense. Like Wolverine is Canadian. Like there's now you can have let's say like the Indian Spider Man. Like you can have different realities and different Earths, and you have different mm. dimensions, whatever. And you're you're placing that character in a different lens and you're placing them in a different, um, you know, it comes from a different culture and background. That's fine. And you still have the original. And that's another thing. It's like these people that are complaining, it's like, okay, 
all the books that you read when you were growing up are still there. They haven't been erased or whatever you latched onto as a child is still there. Here's something new. Here's something different. We have that changes all the time. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm, with, with movies, I'm, I'm okay with changes mm-hmm. anyway, because they've changed things already. Oh yeah. There's like, and it's not like I'm going to see a true to the source material movie adaptation of anything. Right. Uh, so I'm okay with whatever. I still have my comics. If I want to yes. go back to comics. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with that, but that and, but that's like anything though. That's like with book adaptations, right. video game adaptations. Right. I can always go back to the original yes. thing, and I don't have to enjoy it just because something new is coming, and it's not going to replace my love and joy for something else. That's a hundred percent. Well, I want to say that I have love and joy for near mint condition. I am so glad that you joined me on this episode of the Comic Book Kaiju. Um, I'm going to have all of the links in the show notes. I want everybody who is listening or watching this on YouTube, head over to uh, the Patreon, the merch, get all of the near mint condition stuff. Um, I think having a positive comic book community is always something that I'm, I'm for. So I've seen the minties, I've seen your community and it's, it's also something that I aspire to. There's, there's many things that you, um, that you have, the level that you've set, the bar that you've set, um, I'm trying to get to. So I, I'm I'm very happy um, and and joyous that you've joined me on this episode. Um, so thank you very much. Hey, it, uh, it was my pleasure. And you just let me know if you ever need to have me on again. I'd be more than happy to. Yes, 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 a hundred percent. A lot of fun. It was a lot of fun talking to you about these things. Yes, um, you have an open invitation. Um, want to let everybody know that our January book of the month that we're doing is Far Sector, the Green Lantern book by uh, N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. Um, you can head over to wherever you get your comics, check out Far Sector, and come back to the Comic Book Kaiju, where we will be having a full-on discussion. Um, so that is coming down the pipe. Just want to let everybody know. But like I said, all of the great stuff, you want, you're going to want to head over to Near Mint Condition. Check out Uncanny Omar. Everything that he's doing over there is fantastic. Him and his family, I want to say 100%. I love everything they're doing. And I love comics. Uncanny Omar loves comics. And you should too.